0: You know, before we dive in, if you have your uh, Bibles and your scriptures, just you can go to Acts chapter 8. That's where we're going to be tonight. Um, but we're actually not going to get started there. We're going to start in Matthew 4, and uh, we'll eventually get to Acts chapter 8. But if you're new here, just really glad that you're here. Thanks for having the courage to come to a new place. And I just I hope tonight that we just kind of lean in and continue to, to learn about this early church that was unleashed in a way. And there's some practical application for us to take away. And tonight, I think what we're going to share and what uh, I've been wrestling through is uh, really over the last few months, uh, this has been part of my specific, my personal journey a little bit. And I, I hope that it will stir your heart. Uh, a little bit. Now, for many of you, we, uh, as Brian mentioned, we've been in this 40 days of prayer and I, I just want to say thank you to all of you who've been praying for Element City Church and praying for God. And we say, hey God, we want... To be a surprise to the city. And so get us ready, get us and shape us in a way that we would be a surprise of your grace and your hope to our city. But also, we need your surprises. And so we've been praying through that. And I just want to remind you uh, this Tuesday is the last day of that 40 days. And so, just if you haven't been praying with us, it's okay. We believe in grace. So jump on board for the last couple days. And so. Um, Pray with us that God would just be a surprise and give us surprises and lead us in the place that we're going. Uh, we're still looking for that, and we have a, maybe something happening this week, so pray for that. That would be really cool. Um, and uh, we are going to gather on this Wednesday night, uh, Brian mentioned this, at Valley Christian, and you got the cards as you came in, so I just want to invite you this Wednesday from 6.30 to 8. We're going to have some, uh, some munchy stuff there, and you'll be able to get Elements t-shirts, just saying, um, just saying, but there's opportunities for you to just join us and uh, be a part of that worship night and celebrate as we kind of wind down our 40 days of prayer. We just wanted to do something different and something that would honor God and something that would kind of bring us together. So how many of you love adventure? Raise your hand. You love adventure. We love adventure. Have you ever watched Children? In a way that maybe as an aunt or an uncle or a parent or a grandparent, you you watch your kids playing. Have you ever found yourself just kind of watching them, maybe in their imagination? I was sitting at the kitchen table the other night, and, and my youngest, Calista, who's six, going to be seven here at the end of this month, and she's playing with Legos. And it's because we're building this castle for my middle daughter, and we made a Starbucks castle, which is super awesome. Okay, so uh, we made the Starbucks castle, and we have these little Lego figures in there, and she's having a conversation. conversation. Conversation with these lego figures and as a parent. It's it's those cool moments where you just kind of sit there And you just watch their imagination and you watch it go because they live adventure all the time and I find myself the older I get I have less of that I have less of that imagination and that creativity and in fact, it's so much It's just awesome to watch it Maybe if you put your kids to bed before and you give that one simple assignment, you know that one I need you to go brush your teeth and come back okay go brush teeth come back what are we gonna do we're gonna go brush teeth come back perfect go and you release them and then it's about 10 minutes later and you haven't seen the bathroom light on at all and you kind of walk over to the hall and you're kind of like hey you're in your room playing with dolls and you're a boy no, i'm kidding uh, we just, <laughs> so, um and we we you know and she's just there and she's playing with dolls again you're kind of like hey what were we going to do? Uh, I don't know dad. We're going to brush teeth. Remember? Oh yeah. We're going to brush teeth. I'll do that. Let's do that now. And because just in her mind it's like all this adventure all the time. And I, and I wonder if sometimes the older we get we just kind of experience that less. Anyone find yourself kind of Losing grip of some of that imagination of the adventure of life and here's here's where I'm going I wonder sometimes if that begins to creep into Our own spiritual journey and our journey following after God that sometimes maybe the older we get We become or maybe as a follower of Jesus and whether you've been a follower of Jesus for 35 years or 35 minutes There is a truth here for us to unpack and and I'm going to tell you what it is up front And then I want us to look at this and here's the truth That a life of faith, I want to define this, a life of faith is living in motion with God. That a life of faith, that a life of a spiritual journey with Jesus is living in motion with God. That there is always these continual next steps in our spiritual journey. That life is to be this adventure that overflows and yet I know this to be true. In our culture we have this tension that pulls against us that says, you know what, Uh, why don't we just try to control things? Why don't we just try to settle in and get into a routine and let's just calm down and let's get comfortable. In fact, we love comfort, don't we, in our culture? And the older we get, we love more comfort. And we, we begin to pursue comfort in this tension that pulls against us to say, hey, this is what it is all about. In fact, we are supposed to work really hard so that we can, what, retire comfortably i mean that's the goal so to speak now that's a challenging goal anymore for most people and i I will simply say retirement i just don't find it in the bible but hey uh, we'll talk about that Uh, but this notion is that we pursue comfort so much in this tension in our society to pull us toward that and yet you study the the scriptures and you study the lives of those who are followers of jesus and what you begin to see is they didn't live comfortably they didn't have this comfort. No, they may have experienced comfort at times, but that wasn't the driver of their life. In fact, really what was was adventure. And that adventure with God had this pull on them from the very beginning. In fact, look with me in Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 4. Here's the very first words of Jesus as he's calling his disciples, his early followers. And the very thing he says to them, he's walking along the shore and he comes along to to Peter and John and he says to them some amazing words. He says, come, follow me. Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. You you have this occupation that you're doing right now. You're doing your father's trade, you're fishermen, but I'm telling you what, you come follow me, and we're gonna take this occupation and we're gonna turn it into an adventure that's beyond you, that's bigger than you, that you will never fully get your arms around. You come follow me. What I, what I love is what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, you stay there and be comfortable. Jesus doesn't say, hey, you sit there and watch, does he? He says what, come, follow me. Activity, doing, engagement, there's something to do here. You are to come follow me, he says. He calls us into this adventure that says, look, this is about not just watching and not just observing, this is about actually doing. And I wonder sometimes in our own spiritual journey, in the church even, we tend to build things up to say, if you want to grow and mature in Christ and in your spiritual journey, and in your relationship, then it's all about observation. And it's all about knowledge. And it's all about studying and attaining and gaining more. And then you sit there and wait for Jesus to come get you. And I wanna say, no, that's not in the Bible. In fact, everywhere you look from Old Testament to New Testament, here's what you begin to see. is this notion of what Jesus said, come follow me, this adventurous life that we are to have. We are to participate and to actively, passionately be in this adventure with God. This is not a life of passivity. This is about passionate activity with God in the world on your Mondays and on your Tuesdays, and on your Thursday afternoons, and yes, even on casual Friday, on Saturday, and yes, on Sunday too. That 24-7, seven days a week, 365 days a year, there is these continual next steps in this adventure and journey with God, and that God is crafting these divine appointments all of the time and waiting for us to be alert and aware of that so that we can engage and participate in this life of living with him because that's what we were created for, to engage and to experience that. Experience is what we want. It's what we crave. And yet sometimes we even shrink away from it because we long for comfort more. But we, we crave adventure, don't we? We want that experience. I, I told you a couple of weeks ago, we had the chance to, to sneak our kids off to Disneyland with grandma and grandpa. We got to go and have this adventure. And we picked them up early from school. And I remember going to their classrooms and pulling them out of the classrooms. And I said, we're going to Disneyland. You know what my kids didn't say? Really, today? was really hoping to take that test in fifth period. Been studying for it. I don't know if I want to drive in the car that far. It's a long way, my kids never said that. And if I picked you up, you wouldn't say it either. Because you'd be like, yeah, we're going to Disneyland. Because it's exciting. Now listen, what if I took my kids and I walked into Disneyland, I handed my ticket, I walked through the turnstile, I walked in and it's just the ooze and ahs of everything and the adventure of what awaits in that moment. And I take them up to the train, the train that goes around the park. And we park on that train and we grab brochures and we're excited. We look at that. And for the next 12 hours, I ride that train. As people get on and off and telling about adventures and we ride that train around and around and around for 12 hours and we get off the train, walk back out to the car, get in the car, buckle them up, begin to drive away and say, kids, isn't that awesome? We got to go to Disneyland. What do you think they'd say? Can we pray for God to give us new parents? That's horrible. And if that was any bit exciting to you, we have counselors available because that's sick and wrong. what you want in disneyland is the adventure the excitement the experience of doing something there and engaging in this adventure what you don't want is just passive observation and i wonder sometimes in our own spiritual journey if we can get caught into this mode of saying i just need to acquire more knowledge and so i'm going to read and study and learn and grow and know a bunch and then i'm just going to wait around for jesus and the truth is listen I want you to study. I'm gonna tell you that. I want you to read your Bible. I want you to grow. And I'm gonna give you tools for that and we're gonna help you in taking steps in that because it's vital and it's important, but it's not everything. A life of faith is living in motion with God. It's taking next steps continually with him on your Mondays and on your Wednesdays and on your Saturdays, it's saying, What we started the whole book of Acts about. Remember, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. That wasn't about observation, was it? That wasn't about simply gaining knowledge, was it? That was about adventure. And that was about this calling that he has upon our life to live in motion with him. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to bear witness. You're going to do things that point people back to me and to the story that we're writing. A faith and a life of faith is about continual next steps. And you search throughout scripture and you see that over and over and over again. Abraham, I want you to leave the land you're in. I don't want you to go where I'm calling you to go. That wasn't about passivity. That wasn't about observation. It was about doing. I want you to go do something. Moses, I want you to come out of hiding and I want you to go lead my people out. Gideon, stop hiding in a wine press and get out and let's go do something. I'm with you. And story after story in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Life after life is about living in motion with him. The church is the movement of Jesus in the world to bring the hope and mercy and grace to people who need it, people who are searching people who are lost in a dark place and the light of Jesus needs to go to them, not expect them just to come. And the notion and the pull of the church sometimes is to collect and become comfortable where the calling of the church is to go and do and to be in motion with God. That's living a life of faith. We were created to go and we know that. You know that intrinsically. You were created to live an adventure with God, to be on the go. Uh, my son is 15. Two days ago, he got his permit. You have been warned. <laughs> Please pray for me. It's an adventure with him. We've been practicing in, uh, in the parking lots because we're not out on the main street yet. We're not ready for that. Uh, even though I offer jokingly, and he's never taking me up on it, but one day he will, and I'll freak out. Um, but... We're, we're practiced because we know preparation leads to good destinations. And so we're preparing in the parking lot and we're practicing all the things. But the stinky part is I only have an automatic. Just moan with me. An automatic. How many of you learned on a stick shift manual? Come on. Whoop whoop. Yep. That is how you learn how to drive, right? That's how you learn how to drive because it's the pressure in that moment and the glare from your parent unit, as they were staring at you or you were trying to figure everything out and you got all these pedals and you're trying to pull out the clutch and all of a sudden you pull it out too far and the whole car starts doing this thing, right? <laughs> and it stalls out. And intuitively in that moment, you know that ain't right because you know that car was designed to go in motion and you're supposed to be going and it's not. And you're freaking out and the glare is still there and now heavy breathing. And you know that that car was designed to go. Even car collectors, men and women who collect these fabulous cars. I see them every time I go and I have donuts with dad with my daughters. We go to Bashes and these car collectors are out there. They park, they come in there, they sit there. There are 50 of them. And, and you know what they never talk about? I love to look at my car in the garage. It's awesome. I love how the light just shines differently as the sun sets. No, they talk about the adventure of driving. Their car why because cars trucks tanks tanks are cool too they were created to go to drive they were meant to live in motion and Jesus is continually saying to us look I redeemed you I rescued you I have recreated you to be in motion with me don't settle in and become this comfortable person see it's okay to ing- to enjoy creature comforts, but it's not okay to become a creature of comfort. And the truth is, in the spiritual world, and the truth is in the church, we can create creatures of comfort. And we have been called friends. Hey, enjoy creature comforts. It's good. Enjoy them. But don't settle in and say, I'm I'm just going to be a person of comfort. What is God putting in your heart And calling and birthing within you and wooing you to say, I need to be out using my skills and my talents and my abilities and these desires and dreams that God's put within you because he's constantly calling you into next steps with him and maybe involvement here in Element City Church and involvement in different areas of influence that you have and different uh, relationship connections that you have, that he is constantly creating these divine appointments and saying, I have stuff for you to do. Are you aware and are you alert to it? One of my favorite scriptures, I know some of you are kind of new to the faith. This is the one I would love for you to memorize this one. And we looked at it in the fall in Ephesians. It's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and 10. So can I just read it to you real quick? It's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. This is speaking of God's grace. Saying, look, this, this idea of a relationship and life with God is not something you get because you earn it. It's this gift that God just says, hey, if you trust me, you can have it. And you were created to have this that he's wooing you to this. He says, it's not by work so that Jack can't boast about it. It's not by work so that no one can boast about, hey, I got a relationship with God because I worked really, really hard. No, he's saying, look, it's grace. You get this. It's a gift, take it. And then this incredible verse in verse 10, he says this, for you are God's workmanship. In Greek, it's literally this idea that you are God's masterpiece. You are handcrafted, created by the creator of the universe. There is no one else like you nor should there be. You're a masterpiece. And you are created in Christ Jesus. And what's the next words? To what? To do. To do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. You're not created just to passively sit on the sidelines. I've not been created and rescued and recreated in Christ to just sit and gain knowledge and wait for Jesus to come back. I've been created to do good works and you friends you have to. And God has assignments and things for you to do and ways for you to contribute that I can't do, nor should I. And ways for you to be a part of that that you need to lean into. And so what is that for you? Have you ever asked that question? Maybe you've been in a season where you've served for a while and then you've stepped out and and maybe you're in a season right now where you're just kind of resting a little bit and, and maybe God's beginning to serve something new in you. What does that look like? Have you asked him? God, what do you have prepared in advance for me to do and to live this life? Because listen, a life of faith is living in motion with God. It's staying up with him and keeping in step with him. I love what Proverbs 16.9 says, In the heart a man plans his course, but it's the Lord who determines his steps. In Hebrew, it's literally... And there we go. Okay. This, literally this idea that God directs your steps. He sets it in place. It's a meticulous word. It involves this idea of God planning and creating right down to the meticulous details of the next steps he has for you. It's a redemptive word that God himself has the ability to to recycle your past and to redeem it and use it for your future. See, some of you sit in here and you say, well, God can't use me, you don't know what I've done, and I wanna say to you, stop it, stop. Don't live in your past, you are not your past. You are not the label that people have put on you, you're not the label you have put on yourself. You are saved by grace, and you are to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do, which means it's out in front of you. Go get it. Walk with him, because a life of faith is living in motion with him. It's living this life to say, God, I ha- you have things for me. See, God can design and create and uh, orchestrate divine appointments, but here's the truth. Only you can walk into them. God can set them up, And he can put them there, but only you can seize them. It takes your partnership. It takes your ability and you saying, God, I want to be alert and aware to the ways that you have, the conversations you want to bring across my path on a Monday afternoon in the office. And I want to be aware of that. And I want to seize that the best I know how. I want to step into those moments. And I want to live this way. This life of faith is living in motion with God. So we arrive at Acts chapter 8 because we've been in this series, right? In Acts chapter eight, looking at the early church and how it's unleashed. And we've been looking at this opposition that the church is beginning to face. And Jesus said at the beginning, hey, you're gonna be my witnesses. You're gonna go and do things. In fact, you're gonna do that in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You're going to be on mission going with me. In Acts chapter 8, we begin to see this persecution, kind of the heat gets turned up a little bit more. We've seen that. Peter and John kind of get called before the Sanhedrin, kind of called into the principal's office, if you will. And then all the apostles last week we looked at, they're called before this council and they're beaten. And they leave rejoicing, saying this persecution is actually pulling us forward into the story Jesus is telling us we were going to have because he said that we were going to face this opposition. And we're going, and then in verse uh, chapter 1 of, uh, let's see, chapter 1, verse 8, or, yeah, strike that, reverse it. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Now, who said that would happen? Jesus did. See, we look at opposition, and we look at turmoil, and we look at this trouble that the early church is facing, and we say, well, that's wrong. Why is God allowing that? Well, Sometimes God allows difficulties in order to get us moving where we need to move. The early church was very comfortable in Jerusalem. Why? Because it's all they knew. Right? That's what they knew. And maybe in an essence, they had become creatures of comfort instead of just enjoying comfort. And all of a sudden, Jesus has to turn up the heat because he said, remember, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth. And so now things are beginning to happen and people begin to scatter and their leaders are going. And then in verse four, those who have been scattered preach the word wherever they went. Philip went down to the city in Samaria. Whoa. Okay, if you're, not, if you're new to the Bible, here's, here's the thing you gotta understand. Uh, Samaria was a place of the, of the Samaritans, of the people, and Jews and Samaritans did not mix. You did not hang out together. And yet here is Philip going to that city. Can you imagine what that would have been like in his mind? Everything he's ever known. And suddenly he's showing up and he's going someplace that he he never thought he'd actually be at. And he says, okay, Jesus, I'm just going to be faithful in this moment and this season I find myself in. And Philip went down to that city, proclaimed Jesus there. When the crowds heard Philip, saw the miraculous signs he did, they began to pay close attention to him. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many and many paralytics and cripples were healed so that there was great joy in the city. The whole city becomes a buzz about this Jesus movement and about Philip and everything that he thought he was going to walk into. And he's just said, okay, I'm going to be faithful in this. And everything begins to turn around for him. And things become comfortable once again for Philip because this takes time. And then an angel of the Lord shows up to Philip and says, hey, I've got a different assignment for you. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt that pull to say, you know, I just... I want to be comfortable, I want to be here, and yet maybe God's pulling you to something else, and he's pulling you into, maybe it's a different job, maybe it's a different opportunity, maybe it's a different relationship and conversation that you need to have, maybe different sphere of influence, that you say, well, God, if I do that, it's a step outside of my comfort zone, it's a risk, and I don't know if I want to take that. And here's what you got to learn, is that the early church lived that all the time. Does that mean it was a challenge all the time? Well, maybe. Does that mean they never had fun? No, it doesn't mean that. It means that they just lived in motion with God because that's a life of faith. God, I'm gonna live in motion with you. And that doesn't mean epic things are happening all the time, but it does mean even in small ways, I'm choosing to live this adventure with God. That doesn't mean life-changing things are happening all the time, but it does mean that continual next steps are always happening and that God's calling you into this. And now if you're here and, and maybe this is your first time in church in a while, I'm so honored to have you here. And I, and I hope that maybe somewhere along the way that you can meet some people, kind of put some roots down here and just investigate this Jesus movement in the scriptures that speak of this story that you're invited into. Because the truth is, uh, there's an the amazing thing that begins to happen. You look at the early church and it's fascinating to see the impact that this church had, that they should have never had. Rome squashed movements like this for breakfast. And yet 300 years after this, guess what the the national religion of Rome is? The very people that we're reading about. That should have never happened. And so even if you're here and you're I don't know if I buy this whole Jesus thing, you have got to look at it from a historical point of view and say, there's something here worth investigating. There's, there's gotta be something. And this Jesus movement keeps moving people forward. And Philip is called into this adventure. And he says, look, okay, I know you're in this city now that maybe you didn't want to go to and you're having great success and it's comfortable, but Philip, I've got a different assignment for you. Let's read verse 26. Here's what happens. An angel of the Lord says to Philip, I want you to go south on the road, the desert road. How many of you think that sounds exotic and awesome? Like all the cool vacationers go there to the desert road. Probably not. This is probably a travel route that not many people take, and it's certainly not uh, inducive for much activity going on. But I want you to go there, Philip. I want you to leave the the ministry you're in. I want you to go because I have this assignment for you. So he starts out, and on his way, he meets this Ethiopian eunuch who's an important official in charge of the treasury of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. The man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he's sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah Isaiah the prophet. So there's this fascinating thing. This Ethiopian eunuch is, and if you don't know what eunuch is, ask your parents, um, but... This Ethiopian eunuch is on this journey that God is wooing him in a sense, he's trying to find God, he's trying to figure out what is life with God like, and so he makes his way to Jerusalem. Here's the fascinating thing. He wouldn't even be allowed in the temple. Because according to Mosaic law, eunuchs weren't allowed in the temple. They could stand at the door and look in, but they couldn't go in to worship. Now here's a fascinating question. Do we do that in the church? in a way, that people that are trying to make their way to God, and God is actually active in their life and trying to call them to a relationship with himself, and yet the church sets up these borders and says, no, 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 you, you can't belong here before you believe. You got to get believing right, and then you can belong and be a part of us. And I want to say to you, Element City Church will be a place where people can, people can belong before they believe, because we will not be a church that keeps people at a border and at arm's length, we will be a church that's like Jesus. And Jesus never kept anyone at arm's length. And he said, I love people and I'm drawing people. And Jesus is continually doing that, friends. And so we want to be that kind of place that says we're open to people being a part of here and for them, to Jesus, to continue to work on their life until they get to the place of saying there is something real about this guy. There's something real about this life with God through him. And this notion that this eunuch would have gone there maybe struggled and not even be able to go into the temple, but yet he buys the Kindle version, uh, the very first one, of Isaiah. And he's reading that in the chariot on the way home. Chariots would be like a, a limousine. Uh, in our day, and so Philip is on this road, and the angel says, hey, I want you to go run up alongside that limo there, and so maybe he's got a bike, and he rides up beside a limo, waiting for Oprah to roll down the window or something, I don't know, but he's there, and he rolls up, and he's beside this, this chariot, and all of a sudden, he hears this guy reading, and then Philip does a very fascinating thing that I, I want us to catch here, because I think it has a lot of implications for us, and how we live out faith in this culture, in the world in which we live, Because this man was searching, trying to connect, trying to understand God, trying to find his way. And he has this scripture and he begins reading and Philip hears him reading from the prophetized hand and he says, do you understand what you're reading? Notice what Philip doesn't do. He doesn't lecture. He doesn't just spout off a spiritual answer, does he? He asks a question. Friends, questions are are the most powerful way for us to, to gain insight and, uh, and leverage in spiritual conversations in our day. See, you ask questions and you win an audience. You spout off pat spiritual answers and you win an exit from the conversation. True? And we need to be a people that in the connections that we have with people, that we're just asking questions. God, would you help me to understand the questions that I can ask in the moments I find myself in? And that's what Philip does. Do you understand what you're reading? And he says, no. Would you come up here and explain it? Is the author talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? And this is the, prophet, uh, the prophecy that's written about Jesus hundreds of years before in the, in the, the book of Isaiah, speaking about the crucifixion. And so Philip hops up into the the limo there, into the chariot, they begin having this conversation and starting with that very passage, beginning right where he is, he begins to point him to Jesus. Friends, that is how evangelism needs to work in our culture and in your conversations. Asking questions, beginning right where people are and pointing them toward the Jesus that you know that's changed your life. Not spiritual pat answers, but real life change for you and real truth that they can know and that they can wrestle with and that they can begin to to weave through. That God is always looking for people that have availability and that's what Philip had as he was available for this divine appointment. See, here's the truth. Availability to God will always lead to adventure with God. Availability to God will always lead to adventure with him. And we need to be a people that's looking for that and aiming our life to say, I want to live in motion with God. See, steps of faith will almost always, listen, steps of faith will almost always be steps outside of your comfort zone. But they will never be steps taken alone. Jesus will take that with you. God will be with you in those conversations, and that's what's happening with Philip, is Philip, I want you to go do this, and I know it's a step outside of your comfort zone, I know it's different than even what you knew, and you took a step out of your comfort zone to get here, and now I'm asking you to take another one, because it's continual next steps in this journey, and I want you to live in motion with me, and I want you to go do this. And so Philip has this conversation with this Ethiopian leader, and he, he accepts Christ, and he says, I want to give my life to Christ. They're riding down the road, and there's this body of water there, right? And he says, well, what can keep me from being baptized? And Philip's like, sure, let's do this. And so they hop out of the limo, and they go down there, and they, uh, Philip baptizes him, and then this crazy thing happens. I don't know if it's the first instance of Star Trek or not, but like, Philip comes up out of the water, and he's beamed away. Something happened, I can't explain it, you can read it for yourself, but Philip's no longer there. So can you imagine being the Ethiopian guy? You go under the water and you come back up and the dude that baptized you is gone. Anyone else find that strange? I would find that really, like that would be weird. If you're sitting tomorrow at McDonald's, someone hands you the fries, you look back over, they're gone. Okay, that would be weird. Um, and so Philip is taken away and this baptism is an incredible thing. And here's, I wanted to take a moment and just kind of uh, let you know about this, that um, baptism is an incredibly important thing. It's this notion of saying, I'm gonna declare something for everyone else to see that I'm leaning into this Jesus story. See, Jesus was, was killed on the cross. He was buried. He was, uh, and then three days later, he was resurrected. And baptism is a picture of that. It's saying, Jesus, hey, I want to lean into your story, what you did for me. You took my sins, you took my brokenness, and you made me whole and made me new. And so when someone is baptized, what they're saying is, I'm a follower of this guy, Jesus. He matters to me. And I'm aiming my life to follow him the best I know how. It'd be like um, this, my ring, is a picture of a commitment I made, of a covenant I made with my wife 18 years ago. Now, if I take this ring off, am I okay forget if I take this ring off if it if my ring was gone um does that make me not married well no I'm still married this ring is just a symbol of a commitment I made that's really what baptism is baptism doesn't make you saved but it's a symbol of a of a commitment you've made and the commitment that Jesus has made to you and so I wanted to invite you to something if you have never been baptized and you've never said, hey, you've, you've gotten a trust in Jesus and you're a believer in him. And you're following after him. And you say, hey, I surrender everything I have for, for him. I want to follow him. And you've never been baptized. I want to invite you next Sunday night. Afterwards, we're going to do a baptism for one or 100. I don't know. But if that's you, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. And I would love to be a part of that. You can have anyone baptize you as long as they're a believer in Jesus. And I would love to do that. Or if you have other people that you want to do that, great, let's do that. Let's not just talk about it. Let's actually do it. And so next week, next Sunday, uh, if that's you, you come see me tonight. I'll be outside afterwards, just bring shorts, shirt, change of clothes, and flip-flops, and we'll make it happen, okay? Um, So if that's you, you come see me. We'd love to talk with you about that. And we'll do that next Sunday, okay? So this idea of stepping out of our comfort zone is what God calls us to, and Philip shows up, and he says, look, I have this authentic interest in this guy's life, and the best I know how, I'm just gonna ask questions, and I'm gonna wait for God to direct, because God can set up divine appointments, but only I can step into them. Only you can step into them, and so as you step into them, it's living, it's saying, I'm gonna live alert, I'm gonna be available, and I'm gonna live this life of faith that's always in motion, with God. So let me ask you, what does that look like for you? What would that look like this week to say, God, I want to live a life of faith, of living in motion with you? Because it matters that we become a people, the followers of Jesus, that we actually do that, not just talk about it, not just know a bunch about it but actually live this faith of what Jesus said. What did he say? Come what? Come follow me. You will be my witnesses. Philip, I need you to go. Matthew 28, you're going to go into all the world, baptizing people, bringing them to faith, pointing them to Jesus. This is active. This isn't passive. And so what would that look like for you in your life? How is God calling you to go? How is he setting up divine appointments for you? Because you never know, friend. You will never know the impact of your faith living in motion with God that you could have and across the ripple effect that it can have on people. I'm amazed at different stories that I heard. I told one story one time, I'll tell you real quick. My buddy Rick, who I did his wedding a few years ago, and uh, he called me up on Twitter, and he said, hey, I'm coming into town. I just want to have, uh, kind of meet up with you, and, and things have changed, which is never good as a pastor when you've done someone, someone's wedding, and they say things have changed, and you're kind of like, oh, no. Okay. Um, so you're going to counsel with them, because that's tough. That's tough going through that. And so he shows up, and he says, you, you have no idea the impact of what that marriage and that wedding ceremony did six years ago. See, my wife and I really weren't walking with God. But in the counseling sessions that we had with you and in that ceremony, there was just stuff that we said and things we talked about that just stuck with me. In fact, I moved to Phoenix, and we just started looking for a church. And somewhere along the way, we found Jesus, and we put our trust in him. Do you know what Rick and his wife are doing right now? They live in an apartment complex in Phoenix, and they've adopted that apartment complex with the agency that they're kind of working with. And that's their mission field. Over 400 people in that apartment complex, their job is to be Jesus with skin on to those 400 people. Just like we would go and send someone to Africa, they're actually just sending that in their apartment complex and they're saying, we're, we're gonna make this our mission field. And this incredible opportunity, and to hear Rick share his story, and I think back, I counseled with them twice and I did their wedding. I had no idea, I didn't, I didn't do anything special, I didn't do anything different than I'd do with anyone else. But yet God was using something in there to begin to pull them toward himself. And friend, you never know the ripple effect of your faith of living in motion with him can have with other people. And so I wanna invite you, just close with this. Steps of faith are almost always steps outside of your comfort zone. But they will never be steps you take alone. It's with God. And so just uh, with your heads bowed, here's what I want to invite you to do. to so just take a moment to pray. And we're going to lead into a couple worship songs here. And communion is around the, the tables. Uh, if you're new, we kind of do communion in this next couple song sets. And you're welcome to get up and partake in that if you're a follower of Christ. And, and the, the bread is there as we remember his brokenness of his body and his blood that he shed for us. That we follow a, a Savior who sought us out. And so as we worship in these next couple songs, I just I pray that you would take a moment to say, God, as we kind of winding down our weekend and jump-starting our week, would your spirit just weave in and out of our hearts tonight? God, you have recreated us to live in motion with you. You're calling us to that. And so much there's this tension that pulls against us at times, the tension toward comfort and control, and, and I get to decide what I do, and I don't want to step out of my comfort zone, and yet... You're continually creating these divine appointments that you can set up but we gotta walk into. We gotta take that step. Then a life of faith with you is these continual next steps with you. So Father, for my friends gathered here tonight, God, you have a next step in front of each and every one of us. You have a next step that's for us to take this Monday, for us to take on Thursday individually. God, this week, would you allow your spirit to, to kind of bring that to mind and to show us and to bring that into focus of what that may be. God, for Element City Church, you have a next step for us collectively as a family. We long to step into that. We need you to lead the way. We need you to set up that appointment. We want to bring the hope of Jesus to the heart of this city, God. Open the door for that. So collectively, individually, lead us into the next steps with you, knowing that that will be involving maybe some discomfort as we step out of our comfort zones. But we don't step alone. We step with you. So in these next couple songs, and as you take communion, Just seek and ask God a simple question. God, what's my next step with you? What's my next step with you?